So now let us turn to the book of Acts, chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. The continuation, this is of Acts of Yeshua's emissaries, his Shalakim, his apostles, his called out ones. Acts chapter 20. We will now start on verse 16. Praise be unto God. Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse number 16. For Shaul, Paul, had decided to bypass Ephesus on his voyage in order to avoid losing time in the providence of Asia. Because he was hurrying to get to Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if possible, in time to celebrate Shavuot. Notice that he decided to bypass. Because we have to recall this. He spent over three and a half years in the city of Ephesus encouraging that Messianic community, which was a very, very large city. And what happened was that, that those house fellowships, even those synagogues that came to put their trust as Yeshua being the Messiah, they began to multiply. Because as we go forward here, it doesn't give us the number of elders that came from Ephesus. It simply says the elders. You know, sometimes when we read the book of Revelation, we hear about those seven call-out congregations or churches. We think, well, that, those were the only surviving ones at that time. And that's not true. There were multiple other house fellowships and synagogues that had, the membership had put their trust in receiving Yeshua as their Messiah. But the Lord singled out those seven in the book of Revelation as examples. And so now here we're going to be hearing today about how the Lord had Rashaul will pour out his life in the life of these elders of Ephesus. You know what's amazing? That in the future, Rashaul, he died. And the baton of leadership was passed to Yohanan John. Because if you remember, as we've been going through the study in the book of Revelation, John was also one of the lead elders of the congregation that was in Ephesus. And that when he was writing to those congregations in the book of Revelation, that he, he knew them personally, but he was at that time on the mount, on the island of Patmos. Now going forward in the scripture here in verse 17, but he, who's the he here but Shaul, he did send Miletus. And I've searched and there's not a lot of information about Miletus. He was a co-worker of Rav Shaul and he was a trusted individual. And so he was sent with the message because remember, Rav Shaul, he bypassed the city of Ephesus. Why? Because he knows that if he would have went there, everyone would have wanted to see him. They would have wanted to spend time with him. He probably had many invitations. Well, come, to, come and stay at our house this night. And the other person come, well, then, then come to our house the next night. These were brothers. They loved to share hospitality one with another, both brothers and sisters and Messiah. So let us go forward here. But he did send Miletus to Ephesus, 
summoning the elders of the Messianic community there. And so he was the person, not a letter that could be sent, but a literal person that they knew. They, these elders of, of Ephesus, they knew this Miletus and that he was a trusted co-worker of Rav Shaul. So let us go forward here. In verse 18, when they arrived, he said to them, and who's he speaking to here directly? But the elders of Ephesus. Notice this, he did not summon the apostles or the prophets of Ephesus, but the elders. Let's go forward here. In verse 18, when they arrived, he said to them, you yourselves know how from the first day I set foot in the providence of Asia, I was with you the whole time. See, that was kind of like the hub. Just like Yeshua, when, when he was in the area of the Nazareth area, it was Kepha Peter's home, which was the hub city where he operated from. And so for Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul, Ephesus was the hub where he would train up men and women in the Tanakh and then send them forth proclaiming the good news because he was not saying, well, here's a copy of the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now I want you to go and share this with, with the Jews and the God-fearers and those that were open to receive the testimony of Yeshua being the Messiah. No, he sent them forth with handwritings of the scriptures, which was the Tanakh from Bereshit Genesis through Malachi. And so with this, he was establishing and he was raising up these elders, both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah. So going forward here, when they arrived, he said to them, you yourselves know how from the first day I set foot on the providence of Asia. Do you have your maps with you? Can you find where Asia is, which is not the far east? but it is actually the area of Turkey, present-day Turkey. You can find the city of Ephesus there. Let us go forward here in verse 19. Serving the Lord Yeshua with what? With much humility and with, in tears. In spite of the tests I had to undergo because of the, of who? but the unbelieving Jews. And so with this, he said, I came before you in humble heart, a contrite heart. He was not drawing people unto himself. This was not Rashaul, the apostle to Yeshua's ministry. Now, if you sent to me a, a donation of 25 to $50, I will send you a CD. I'll send you a cassette. I'll send you one of my books. See, he was not out and doing that as many men and women do today who promote their ministry. But Rav Shaul was sending, saying the template of what they were to do. He was setting the example. And so these uh, Ephesian elders saw that he had proven ministry. And 
he was saying to them, you are to be what? Imitators of me. Later in the scripture, we'll see where Rav Shaul, he paid his own way. He went out and he worked as a tent maker. That was his trade. So that he would not be a burden to those that he was reaching. And they could never accuse him, well, you're simply proclaiming the good news. And announcing a promised Messiah, Yeshua, so it's, it's profitable for you to become insanely wealthy and rich. Now, if you'd compare that to many men and women today that have quote-unquote ministries, they're constantly asking you for donations and for you to give these faith givings and these sacrificial giving to their ministry. You know what later we find out? They have multiple mansions, multiple planes, multiple cars. They have all these things. And they're profiting by the good news. But this was not the Apostle Paul's way of doing ministry. Did not Yeshua, when he paired those two and two, when he sent them out, he said, don't take any, any money with you. Don't worry about these things. Walk in God's provision. He said this, freely have you received from the Father, so now I ask you to freely give. And whatever the Father gives you, a meal that's set before you, a home or a bed that you can sleep that night, a cart ride or someone's donkey that you can ride to the next village that would be later returned to the owner, Simply walk in God's provision. So let us go forward here. Verse 19. Serving the Lord Yeshua with much humility and with tears. In spite of the tests I had to undergo because of the plots of unbelieving Jews. You know, Rav Shaul, the apostle Paul had compassion to those who still had a veil over their eyes his Jewish brothers and sisters who did not know Messiah? Why did he have com compassion? Because he was once there. We forget that it was on the road to Damascus that the Lord, by his grace and mercy and love and kindness, removed the veil from Rav Shaul's eyes so he could see the Messiah for who he is. He was opposed to the way which basically said this, that there was, there was one way to the Father, where Yeshua proclaimed that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father, can be redeemed, except through Yeshua and himself. And so Rav Shaul was sharing that revelation. And he was seeing handfuls of Jewish people who, by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of living God, the veil was removed from their eyes. And also God-fearing Gentiles who had, who had been, became part of, to one extent, part of the Jewish community. But when the good news was proclaimed to them that now they can be grafted in completely and fully by and through Messiah Yeshua, that this was a transformation for them. And also those who were former idol worshipers from the nations. 
Because what is God's desire and plan? From the birth of the nation of Israel, even in Egypt, God revealed himself through his power and might, through those signs and wonders, to both the Jewish people and the people that were living, the mixed crowd that were living in Egypt, to see that salvation and redemption would come through the Jewish people. And so with that, from that time of the birth of the Jewish people as a nation and the mixed crowd that left with them from Egypt, God grafted them into one people. And they were to be what? A light to the nations. When did Rav Shaul become a light to the nation? When the veil had been removed from his eyes and he could fully understand and comprehend by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh and the revelation from Yeshua himself who taught him one-on-one -on -one. after Yeshua rose from the dead. He taught him one-on-one -on -one the things of God and how to properly interpret Torah. And so with this legacy, he's now imparting because he knew that Ephesus was a hub and they were multiplying. They were sending out others. These elders were laying their hands upon Jews and Gentiles who came to know Yeshua as their Messiah. And they recognized the gifts that were being rolled up by the Ruach, by the Spirit of the living God. And they were sent out to proclaim the good news. And so Rav Shaul is in a sense passing now the baton to these Ephesian elders and saying this, now you're to go and do the work. Continue to walk, putting the Lord first in tears, in prayers, and in supplications. God now is, is depending on you because I'm, I'm coming towards the end of my journey on this earth. And what does God want us to do today? But to raise up other individuals, to encourage them, to equip them, so that they'll hear the spirit of the living God, read God's holy word, to be fully equipped to do what? To build the Father's kingdom. It's not about buildings. It's not about the stuff on this earth. Because when Yeshua returns for his bride, both Jews and Gentiles, one and Messiah, there's not going to be a U-Haul that we're going to be driving up to heaven. All the stuff on this earth is going to remain. God redeemed us, mankind, both men and women and children. First from the Jewish nation and all the nations. Let's go forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 20. You know that I held back nothing that could be helpful to you. Who's he speaking to? Who's he looking? Whose eyes is he looking into? But these elders from Ephesus. You know what? The Spirit of Living God knew this that the book of Acts was going to be written. He knew who was going to write it, inspired by the rock. Who is Luke? Another apostle, not the original 12. And he knew that this would speak to us and all these generations yet to be born. 
He knew that today, the Father, through the Son, by the Spirit of the living God, that today, June the 5th, 2021, we'd be meeting on Zoom, and we would be going through the book of Acts and hearing about how God had raised up the Apostle Paul, who had poured out his life in these Ephesian elders. Let's go forward here. Nothing is hidden from God. You know that I held nothing back that could be helpful to you, that I taught you both in public and from house to house, declaring with utmost seriousness the same message to both what? To Jews and Greeks alike. To turn from what? From your sins. Jewish people and people of the nations need by God's accountability to turn from our sins. Let's go forward here. To turn from sin and turn to whom? But to God. Turn to your father. Be reconciled unto your father through his son, Yeshua, by the power and the equipping and the removing of the veil from your eyes so that you'll see Yeshua as a redeemer as he is. Let's go forward here. And put your trust in our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah. There it is in a nutshell. So simply that a child can understand it. And he's saying this to them. Don't make it difficult. The preaching of the good news is to be simple for everyone to understand. For all to comprehend. And as the veil is removed from the Jewish people's eyes. And the veil is removed from the nation people's eyes. What will they see? But Yeshua himself. Did not Yeshua say this to all his Talmudim, all his disciples? If you will simply lift up me. And who's the me? Not Rabbi Frank, but Yeshua. Then he will do what? He will cause all people to come unto whom? Not us, but to him. He's a redeemer. Let's go forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let's go a little bit deeper here. In verse 2019, it says this. Praise be unto God. You yourself know that I was with you serving in humility. Shaul does not indulge in self-praise, but he appeals to the judgment of the Ephesian congregation elders. You know that elder Allen and Tim? They're to judge every word that is spoken in messages, in Bible studies. And so too are those who are receiving these messages in Bible studies. When we have a guest speaker come on occasion, we're to listen and ask the Spirit of living God to show us, to give us discernment. What comes out proceeds from that individual's mouth? Is it of God? Does it confirm what is written in the Tanakh and the Brit Hadashah? Or is it that individual's opinion on things? 
which people's opinions in God's eyes are worthless. Let's go forward here. Shaul does not indulge in self-praise, but appeals to the judgment of the Ephesian elders who had known and experienced him for what? Three years. They know this man. They know he, what's going on in his life when the curtains are drawn and it appears that no one's watching. They know his character. And Rashi will speak to them. Just the same character that I have been showing you, you're to walk in that same character. You're to observe the flock of God. You're to watch over and protect them, intercede and pray for them. That's the work of an elder. It's not to criticize and to find fault, but to encourage, to pour your life into that person's life, to stir up the gifts within them and give them opportunities to express what the spirit of the living God by the power and equipping by the gifts of the spirit can be manifested in the corporate body of Messiah. That is a healthy and strong and a growing messianic community. When you have elders that pray and intercede and listen to what the spirit of living God is, is speaking and doing in these individuals' life. Because you know what? All elders... One day you're going to have to give an account before the Lord. How they taught. How they were willing to lay down their little lives and time and sacrifice and pray. Because that is a true mark of an elder. That is to build other people up. It's not say, hey, now I've become a celebrity and you're to follow me and send me all your money to impoverish you. No, they are to build you up and strengthen you. And this is what Rav Shaul, the Apostle Paul, had, had poured his life into these elders in Ephesus. Now he's saying, now you go and do likewise. That's your calling. That's your responsibility. Let's go forward here. While often accused, Rav Shaul, in the New Testament... And I won't be able to go into all these verses here. But those of you who are writing down these verses, I implore you to do this, to read this on your own. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, through chapter 13, 10. It gives the details where people were coming and saying, you know, this apostle, his letters are so powerful. But when he shows up in person, he's crying. He's a weakling. But I mean, if you read your letters, they're like fire and brimstone coming. But when he's in person, he's like a, a jolly old grandfather. So going forward here. Rav Shaul was often accused, even in the Brit Hadashah itself, of pride in his accomplishments. Nevertheless, like Moses, like Moshe, who could write that he was the meekest of all men on the face of the earth. You know what meekness means, truly? It's not simply humility. It's coming to this realization in your life. What I own belongs to the Lord. And who I am 
I belong to the Lord. Whether I'm to go to this place for such and such time, whether it be a short journey or a long journey, I'm to hear what the Spirit of the living God is saying to me. Because my life, I no longer own. But I pour it out so that my brothers and sisters in Messiah and those who do not know Messiah will have the benefit. Rav Shaul says later that he's as a pouring out as a drink offering. He's coming towards the end of running this, this race and completing that course. He faced persecution and trials and tribulations for proclaiming the good news and building God's kingdom. And that's what we're to be about also. So going forward here, like Moshe, who could write that he was the meekest man on the face of all the earth, found in Bamidbar, Numbers, chapter 12, verse 3. Shaul reached a point where he could speak of himself without either undue praise or undue modesty. He also learned not to be unduly affected by physical circumstances and possessions. How many of us have ever had to go to prison because we proclaim the good news? How many of us have ever went into a community and after sharing the good, good news, the leaders of that community grabbed a hold of us, pushed us outside the town, and they gathered stones to throw at us. How many of us, after proclaiming the good news, had been beaten with whips for four separate occasions and survived? I haven't experienced any of those things. But I say this to you, as our government, as this world changes, these things will take place. As we share Yeshua and the hope that is in us, the governments are changing throughout this whole known world. And the things of God and how God interprets what marriage is to be between a biological born male and a biological female are the only ones who can enter into marriage. The definition of genders, if we were to look in Genesis, we'd notice this, God created man first, then from his side, he created woman. And we don't read anywhere in the scripture there that Hava Eve, that after she fell and the curse was upon her, that her, her, her birthing pains would increase that she turned to Adam and said, by the way, I'm no longer a woman, I'm a man. That never took place, or vice versa. And there was not another option for Adam to go and marry another male because there were no other males. And he had no other choice. There was only one female, Hava, Eve, his wife. Rabbi, you are really, that's politically incorrect. And you may be in the future, when, they, when this goes on the internet, You'll be brought before a judge, and you'll be found politically incorrect. You'll be placed into prison, and you'll be re-educated about all these genders and all this stuff. 
But you know something? If you are willing to lay down your life for the good news, all that's not going to matter. We're not to walk by fear, but walk in God's provision. Can this really happen? It's right around the corner. Preaching of the good news, I believe in the near future, will be considered as a crime against the state, against the one world order, the one world government, the one world religion, the one world economy. This is all going to take place. Let's go forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now let's go back to verse number 21 in Acts. Declaring the utmost seriousness, the same message to both Jews and Greeks alike. See, there's not another way for Jewish people to come to know Messiah and to have redemption. It's only through accepting Yeshua and his death upon the tree and raising from the dead. Nicodemus came. And what did Yeshua say? You must be born of the spirit. Nicodemus said, Was, am I to enter into my mother's womb? That's ridiculous. But from his thought process, that's what he thought that Yeshua was talking about. He said, you must be born of the spirit. So all Jewish people need to acknowledge Yeshua as their Messiah. Because what will be God's salvation for the Jewish people, that holy remnant that lived through the great tribulation after three and a half years? When will Yeshua come back and land on the Mount of Olives? When that holy remnant is in the city of Jerusalem, they call, cry out these words, Baruch HaBab, B'Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what will happen upon them? There will come upon them a spirit of supplication and repentance. And they will behold him in the sky as he's descending upon the Mount of Olives. They will see his pierced hands and his feet. And they will mourn. And they will travail. And they will repent and they will acknowledge him as the Messiah. That's written in God's word. And it will be accomplished. Let's go forward. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 22. And now, compelled by the Ruach. What's compelling you today? What excites you? What gives you purpose in life? Is it what you own or an event coming up? Are you being compelled by the Ruach? Remember, Rav Shaul is demonstrating how to live. How to be a man who walks by the leading of the spirit of the living God. Not moved by unbelievers who are persecuting you or, or, or threatening to take your very life. Back to the scripture, verse 22. And now compelled by the Ruach HaKodesh, the spirit of the living God. I'm going to Jerusalem. Have you ever 
You know what is amazing in the 1970s believers when they'd come together, someone would say, well, are you going to this service? Are you going to that? Are you going to go here and all this other stuff? You know what they used to say back then? If it is the will of the Lord. During this COVID pandemic this past year, what were you to do? Were you moved by what you were hearing on television or the radio? Or were you listening to the still small voice, the spirit of the living God who leads you into all truth and shows you the way to walk with the Father and fulfilling his desire? Or were you persuaded, well, brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so say this? Are you listening to the Spirit? See, that's what he's speaking to these elders because he knows this, that persecution is going to come against them. And they may not have a fellow believer that's standing beside them and enduring this persecution. And who will they be listening to? Who will they be compelled to, to complete the course? You know what Rav Shaul wrote in one of his epistles? He said, least I be a castaway. Think about that. Let's go forward. Verse 20. Other than that, in every, excuse me, uh, verse 22. And now compelled by the rock, the spirit, I'm going to, to Jerusalem. And I don't know what will happen to me there. Isn't that a beautiful way to live? You get a bill or some accident happens. And you may be thinking in mind, well, where's God in all this? See, Rashaul was a point in his life for years where he simply went to what the Spirit of Living God was speaking to him. You know, there were some areas in Turkey where the Spirit of Living God buffeted him and said, you're not to go there. I believe that if he just would have said, well, I'm going, I've decided, that's fine, that's your opinion, Ruach HaKodesh, I'm just going to plow through. He probably would have entered into a very early demise out of rebellion of not listening to what the Spirit of Living God is speaking to us. See, he was sent to us not only as a comforter, but the one who is to lead us into all truth. But are you listening to his voice? Are you searching the scriptures to get confirmation? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now being compelled by the Ruach HaKadosh, I'm going to Jerusalem. I don't know what will happen to me. Isn't that beautiful to live a life like that? No fear, but the fear of the Lord. And all that the Lord allows me to endure on this earth, I'll do it gladly. Because even if the Lord takes my life today, so be it. It's according to his plan and his purpose. You know that God has selected people to be martyrs.
And there are more believers being martyred now around the known world than ever before, but you'll never hear about that on the news broadcasts. They're standing in the gap. They're pouring out their lives and they're being put to death. You know, if you read the book of Revelation, it speaks of those who have been beheaded and they follow the Lord at all times. And they cry out from underneath the throne that Yeshua sits on in heaven and says this, when will you bring justice? And their blood literally cries out from the earth. Just as Abel's blood cried out for justice. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's go forward. Verse 24. But I consider my own life of no importance to me whatsoever. Yeshua, when he was upon the Mount of Olives, and he was contemplating his about to suffer on our behalf, his humanity, was not denied. Remember his words to the Father? Father, if there be another way, honestly, Rashaul had faced death time and time again. He was shipwrecked. And one time when he was shipwrecked, he was there gathering firewood. What happened? An asp bit his hand. And it injected the poison in his hand. And all the people of that island saw that and said, well, he's a dead man walking. And what happened? He didn't die. And that gave him opportunity to proclaim the good news. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So he came to the point where he was ready to lay down his life for his redeemer and the redemption of lost people, including those of his own people who had a veil before their eyes. Remember, Rav Shul was the one that was holding the coats when Stephen, a follower of the way, Messianic Jew, was in the process of being stoned to death. He'd been on the other side. And what did Yeshua say to him before he began his ministry? That you're, there's going to be much suffering. For the kingdom to be established. And he did not shirk from that. But now here, years later, we hear his testimony. Verse 24. But I consider my own life as no importance to me whatsoever. As long as I can do what? Finish the course ahead of me. Do you want to finish this walk that you have with Messiah? No matter what you face. Have you predetermined in your heart and life? You know, because your legacy you're leaving behind. Fellow believers are watching your life. Your children, your grandchildren are seeing you live out your life with fear and trembling. Your salvation, which is in Messiah. And what is your fear? Not the things of the world. Not what can be taken away from you. 
but your fear is a fear of the Lord. Am I honoring God in everything I do? Every thought I have, every word I speak, every action I do, or anything I hold back from God, is it pleasing? Let's go forward here. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Verse 23, I skipped over that one and I apologize. Up to verse 22. And now compelled by the Ruach HaKodesh, I am going to Yerushalayim. I don't know what will happen to me there. Other than that, in every city, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit keeps warning me that imprisonment and persecution await me. See, the Spirit is saying this to him. You've gone through prison. You face persecution, and the Lord delivered you. More of that is about to come. Are you willing to have more scars added to your body? More persecution? More people misunderstanding you? More people accusing you? Slandering you? Saying all sort of evil against you? Did they not do the same to Yeshua? Did he not say that this world will not love you because you belong to him and to the Father? We're not to walk by fear, but to walk in peace and love and God's provision. Let's go forward here. Verse 24. But I consider my own life as no importance to me whatsoever. As long as I can finish the course ahead of me, the task I've received from the Lord Yeshua. You know, all of us have received a task from the Lord. Are you accomplishing that task? Let's go forward here. To declare in depth what the good news of God's love and kindness Are you expressing God's love and kindness to others? Are you demonstrating that? Not just simply in words, but through actions. Let's go forward here. Now, listen, I know that none of you people among whom I've gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I testify in this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all. For I do not shrink from proclaiming to you the whole plan of God. Now he turns to the elders, he looks them straight in the eye and says this to them. Watch out for yourselves and for all the flock. He's not passing the baton. He's saying literally, I'm going to no longer be here. Who are they going to look to? The flock. The sheep. When wolves come in and try to devour them, and mislead them for their own gains. Are you going to run? Are you a hireling? Or are you truly a shepherd and elder? Let's go forward here. Watch out for yourselves, verse 28, for all the flock in which the Ruach HaKodesh has placed you as leaders. Who put them up as leaders? They didn't go seek it on their own. This is not a political thing. They were appointed by the Spirit because the Spirit gave the gifting of elders, the gifts of the elders, to those elders. Going forward here. To do what? To shepherd God's messianic community. 
What did Yeshua say? I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. I'm the one that goes and fights with the wolves and the lions and the bears. Let's go forward here. Which he won for himself. Who do the flock belong to? That God has placed these elders temporarily as shepherds over to bring them to fresh water, to bring them to green pastures, to uh, forsake the 99 and go after that one that is lost. Let's go forward here. He won them for himself at the cost of what? His son, Yeshua's blood. They've been bought by the blood of the Lamb. But you now, you earthly elders, are responsible for their care. Going forward, I know after I leave, savage wolves will what? They will come. Not they may come. They will come. When was this written? 2,000 years ago. Did the wolves come? Yes. Are they coming today? Yes. Are the elders, the Messianic community, are they arising? And are they protecting the flock of God? Are they feeding? Are they preaching God's word? Or are they building kingdoms unto themselves? Let's go forward here. Verse 29. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. They will not spare the flock. Even from your own number. And think about this. The elders are now looking at each other. Just as the Talmudim did during Yeshua's last Passover Seder. And said, one of you among you will betray me. There's no difference here. From among you, they, men will arise and teach what? Perversions. Of what? The truth. A little bit of truth, but a whole lot of lies. Going forward. In order to drag what? Away some of the Talmudim, the disciples, after what themselves. Now, you think about a lot of these ministries out there today. They're, it's all about them. It's not about the Lord. Yeshua is a footnote. It's all about them. Going forward here. So what he says to the elders, he looks him straight in the eye and says this. He's pleading with tears at this point. So stay alert. Remember that for three years, both day and night, with tears in my eyes, I never stopped warning you. Never. And what are they to do? With tears, they're to intercede for the flock and warn the flock that this is coming about. Verse 32, and now I entrust you to the care of Yeshua, the Lord, and to the message of what? His love. It's all about his love going forward and kindness for it can build you up. You want to be built up? Focus on Yeshua's love and his kindness and give you an inheritance among all those who have been set apart for Abba, Father God. You are a holy priesthood. You are a holy nation set, of, set apart for the purposes of God and God alone. Let's continue here. I have not wanted myself anyone silver, gold, or clothing. For you yourselves know that these hands of mine have provided not only for my own needs, but for the needs of my co-workers as well. In everything, I've given you an example of how, by working hard like this, you must help the weak. 
So you're saying the weak are among you? You're to focus on them and build them up. Let's go forward quickly. Remembering the words of the Lord Yeshua himself, there is more happiness in giving than receiving. When he had finished speaking, Shaul kneeled down with them and they prayed. Notice that he's not saying you now, now need, need to kneel down and I'll lay my hands upon you and anoint you. No, they're all joining hands as equals and they're on their knees and they're praying, they're interceding. They're allowing the spirit of the living God to speak through them and pray the will of God going forward here. Verse 37, and what? They were all in tears. They were all having contrite, broken hearts because they knew that their calling from God was from God. And only as they walked by the spirit could they fulfill God's high calling upon their lives. Verse 37, they were all in tears as they threw their arms around his neck and they kissed him farewell. Shalom. How beautiful it's going to be next Shabbat when we meet together in person. Verse 38, what saddened them most was his remark that they would never see him again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Shabbat Shalom.